Uh, so if you haven't got it by now, we're jumping into a brand new series called Camouflage. Uh, and I love this. I love it. Because believe it or not, camouflage actually wasn't our original idea. And I don't mean like camouflage as like a sermon series wasn't our original idea, but camouflage as like us as human beings was not our original idea. That there's been things in creation doing camouflage a lot longer than we have. So like how many of you have ever seen a TED Talk before? Or you know what a TED Talk is? Like seven of you. Well, here's what a TED Talk is. TED Talks are awesome. They're just these short films of really interesting material on a certain subject. I got one actually on camouflage. It's about two minutes long. It's crazy, crazy incredible. I thought it was fascinating. So why don't you guys go ahead, turn your attention to the screen. Check it out. I have to admit I was screaming when I got this video thing. What makes a marine biologist scream? Patrick Hanlon captured this about 10 years ago. He was doing a study in the Caribbean and he'd been following this octopus for about an hour. When it crept behind the rock and went into camouflage mode, he jammed the camera down right in its face, so to speak, prompting it to go from camouflage to a startle defense. Blanching white very quickly. And then inking him. But I followed the animal and finished the dive, and I popped at the surface. It was only about five feet deep, and I screamed bloody murder, and they thought I was having a dive accident. When actually he was having... It was a eureka moment, there's no doubt about it. And that's because Hanlon is trying to understand just how camouflage works in cephalopods. Yes, cephalopods, squid, octopus, and cuttlefish. They are masters of optical illusion. They are the animals best known to go anywhere in camouflage. No animal comes even close to the speed and diversity of appearances of this animal. And they have a few tricks at their disposal. Octopus and cuttlefish can change their skin texture. This is the only animal group we know of that has fine control of its skin to create the bumpiness. And they match their skin dimensionality by sight, not by touch, which a is a vexing visual perception question. And of course, they change color. So here's an octopus. Doing what we call the moving rock trick. I'm a rock, I'm a rock. Now watch this. So the amazing thing is that these animals are colorblind, yet they are capable of creating color match patterns. Yeah, that's right. So like, how, how crazy was that? Every time I watch that, I just like goosebumps. I'm like, that's so freaking wild. I love it. And, and this, this is camouflage. And camouflage isn't originally our idea, but it's something that we've actually adopted that we begin to practice. Like, like how many of you ever have worn camo? You've ever worn like, like those pants or those weird jackets? Yeah, apparently that's like a trendy thing now to wear like camouflage. But like that wasn't even our idea. And the idea of camouflage is to blend in or to hide or to be act like uh, you're something that you really aren't. So how many of you ever tried to pretend to be something that you're actually not? That you, have you ever done that? There's like mostly girls raising their hands right now because they're like, yeah, when I was little, like I pretended to be a princess, you know? And I like wear the dress and the tiara and like some of the dudes are like, yeah, I did that too. But it's like cool. Like that's totally fine. I see you, man. It's totally fine. This is a safe place. It's a safe space. But like we, I know each and every single one of us has done this. Uh, we've pretended to be something that we're not because how many of you have ever gone trick-or-treating? Yeah, yeah, come on, give it up for Halloween. I love Halloween. Halloween's incredible. It's like the second best day of the year. It's like my birthday and then Halloween. You know what I'm saying? No, your birthday's not better than mine, buddy. My birthday's better. 
All right, it's like birthday Halloween, and I love Halloween. Halloween's incredible because you can just dress up. You can be whatever you want to be. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to think differently of you. You can go unseen, and they just show up at strangers' doors, and they give you candy. Like, that's the coolest tradition in the world. Like, I wish that could happen every day. And I love trick-or-treating. All growing up, I used to go trick-or-treating. When I was in elementary school, uh, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I went trick-or-treating every single year because I loved it that much. And then I went to college. And it was my freshman year in college. I was sitting there, and I was like, hey, it's Halloween tonight, and the city of Marion is doing their trick-or-treating. We should go. And I looked at all my roommates, and some of them were like, nah, we're not going to do that. But then I looked at my buddy Jake, and Jake was like, totally. Let's do it. We got to find some costumes. We didn't have any costumes, so we started going through our closet and it's just like finding things to wear. So I put on like a pair of vans and like some skinny jeans and like a t shirt and I put like a snapback on. Uh, and then I like grabbed a skateboard. And like some of you were just like, Yeah, you dress like that like almost every day, Robbie. Like you just look like yourself. And I did. And I just went trick or treating dressed like I normally would. And then my buddy Chris, or uh, 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 excuse me, his name was Chris. And Chris was like, 6'4", and he was like a lumberjack. He had this huge beard. Uh, Like, he was definitely a grown man. And so we're walking around the city of Marion, surrounded by three to seven-year-olds and their parents, and there's two grown men walking in the midst of all of this. And have you ever been in a place where you just feel like you shouldn't be there? Yeah. Like, it was like that, but I didn't feel it at all. It was weird. And so, like, I'm, no, like, showing up at people's doors and, like, knocking, and we're like, yeah, trick-or-treat. And they're kind of like, who are you? Like, are you here to fix my cable? Like, like no, like, I just give me some candy. And, you know, so we, get, we got about four doors in, and apparently, apparently there's this thing. It's like an ethical or moral line that when you reach a certain age, certain things that were, like, once cute and, like, acceptable now become creepy. And, like... I was completely unaware of this line. So I showed up to this one guy's door, and I, like, knock on it. And he, like, gets down, like, is opening the door, like, super hesitantly. And he just looks at my 6'4", lumberjack, burly friend, looks down at me, looks back at him, is like, like, are you his kid? Like, I don't know what to do right now. And then the next door we go to, he does the same thing, creeps around the corner as if he wasn't expecting people to show up at his doorstep on Halloween, opens it all the way, looks at me, yells pervert and shuts the door in my face and it was in that moment I was like this is wrong like I can't do this anymore so like like all I'm saying is middle schoolers like take that time while you can these are the glory days you know what I'm saying go trick-or-treating get all the candy you got the time now do that and this is why we love Halloween because it gives us the opportunity where we can go hidden and become unseen out of every other day of the year we're just trying to make ourselves seen And that's the whole idea of camouflage. That's the whole idea of this series, is that right in in the midst of all the world, when everybody is trying to be seen, we are showing you that there's times when you should go unseen. And so this is kind of the bottom line. It's in your notes. Uh, You probably have got it by now, but this is the, the tagline of our series, Camouflage. Not everything is meant to be seen. Not everything is meant to be seen. And we know this to be true. Uh, I knew this growing up because of certain instances that happened in my childhood. You see, I had an older brother, Jeff, and Jeff had this, like, weird thing about him that, like, he hated having clothes on his body. So, like, he would just be, like, in the middle of nowhere, and they would start coming off. And it was super weird, and we thought it was cute when he was, like, two and three. But when you're, like, seven or eight, that's, like, super weird, and you can't do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? And he was going through, like, an overalls phase where he just wore overalls all the time. 
And I remember we were in Blockbuster Video. I don't know if you know what a Blockbuster Video is. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, they're like extinct now. But we were in a Blockbuster Video. And I remember looking over the top of the movie racks, uh, just seeing out of the middle of nowhere these overalls spinning. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's not good. I wonder where Jeff is. And then I hear my mom, like, he's just strutting through the drama section, swinging overalls. My mom's clear on the other side in the comedy section. And all I hear is going, Jeffrey Michael! Not everything's meant to be seen. And just like yelling it across Blockbuster. And it wasn't the first time I've heard it. I heard it over and over again. And she understood, Jeff quite didn't, but, but she understood that not everything's meant to be seen. You probably understand that not everything is meant to be seen. I know I understand that not everything is meant to be seen. And Jesus is somebody who also understood this. Maybe not in the same context, but I want to show you what he meant. So go ahead, pull out your Bibles. If you don't have them already, they're underneath the chair right in front of you. Go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 4. And if you're looking for a page, it's page 970 in your Worship Center Bible. And let us just say, if this is like your first time or you actually don't have a Bible of your own, let this be our gift to you. Go ahead, write your name in it, read it, write in it, do what you want to it. We, this is, we want you to get in the Word of God. It's going to change your life. So let that be uh, our gift to you. But right now we're going to look at Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. That's going to be page 970. In your worship center Bible, it's going to be out here on the screen right now if you want to follow along. It says this, be careful, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be seen or to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And and here's what I want you to get from this passage. It's really simple, but it's really profound. And it's right there in your notes. Write it down. It's this phrase, God sees the unseen. God sees the unseen. And this is why this is so profound is because when Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus spoke this, it took everything that we knew about the world, it took everything that we understand and flipped it on its head. Because he's saying to go unseen and to do certain things in secret, but we live in a world where all we want to do is be recognized and to be noticed, Right? And we do this in so many other, in so many ways. And we do this in like even just how we look, how we look. So like how many of you, how many of you take maybe 30 minutes or more to get ready in the morning? Like, yeah, pretty much all of us. Like, that's no big deal. I'm right there with you. Like, how about 45? 45 minutes to get ready in the morning? Yeah, still like everybody. Okay, like how about an hour? Who takes an hour to get ready every morning? All right, all right. An hour and a half? An hour and a half, anyone to get ready in the morning? This is a lot more of the room than I would have thought. And there's like, like all the guys are like, nah, man, like five minutes, I roll out of the bed, put the slippers on, show up to class, it's done. It's like super simple. But like, I see you guys. How many of like two hours? Like two hours every morning? All right, I see you, bro. I see you, man. That hat looks real good on you. You're doing well. You're doing well. Two hours. But the reason why we take that much time every single morning is because we care about being recognized. We care about what people think. And we do this in all sorts of areas of life. It's not just on how we look. It's not just how we look. We want to be the most attractive. We want to have the nicest clothes. We want to have the nicest car. We want to have the best profile picture. We want to have the best boyfriend or the best girlfriend. 
<laughs> I said that, and literally, like, three of you, like, turned to your neighbors and, like, the exact same thing. Like, that's not me. That's not happening. Like, it was so, it was, like, across the board. It was crazy. If you want the best boyfriend or you want the best girlfriend or you want the most favorites, you want the most retweets, you want the most likes, you want the most followers, and the whole reason why you want these things is because somewhere deep inside of us, we want to be noticed, we want to be known, we want to be recognized, we want to be seen. And we'll do whatever it takes in so many areas of life to be recognized, to be seen, to gain the followers. Like, I literally follow this one guy on Instagram. I don't even know how he does. He has like 1.2 million followers. And all he does is take pictures of food in his mouth. And like, I don't even know why I'm following him. I see it every single time. And I'm just like, why do I follow this? Okay, lasagna, that's hilarious. Like, and like, I don't even know how, it, how he does it. But people will do anything. And you'll do anything just to get recognized, to get noticed in the areas of your life. And we'll do it on social media. We'll do it, we'll do it to get ready in the morning. We'll do it in so many different ways. And I know, I know for a fact it's something you do and it's something that you struggle with. Because it's something that I struggle with. And it's something that I've struggled with my whole life growing up in, in elementary school, middle school, high school, even now. And it's something you still wrestle with. And it's this, this idea that I've got to be good enough. I've got to be recognized. I've got to be noticed or else Nobody's going nobody's gonna to care about me. Nobody's going to like me. And, and the f- we start creating sentences like these when we think like this. People will only like me. People will only date me. People will only accept me. People will only hire me. People will only recognize me if I'm funny enough, if I'm cute enough, if I'm successful enough, if I'm popular enough. The list goes on and on, and all it does is instill in you something called a performance mentality. And I grew up with this in my life, performance mentality, and I don't know where it stemmed from or where it came from. Maybe, maybe it was when I was growing up my whole life, my parents would, would, would expect me to make, if I, didn't, if I didn't make the best time at the cross-country meet, or if I didn't bring the best grades home, or if I didn't act a certain way or say this, the right things or do the right things around the house, they just look at me and they tell me how disappointed they were. And maybe that instilled inside of me that I have to act a certain way, I have to do certain things correctly in order to receive the recognition that I thought I deserved. Or maybe, maybe it just came from, from culture. And in culture, the whole time, my whole life was pushing on me something like, Robbie, no, no, you have to look this way. You have to act this way. Even as a pastor, even as a pastor, no, no, pastors talk like this. Pastors pray like this. Pastors look like this. This is how you need to look. You need to exceed this amount of, this amount of righteousness to even be qualified. What are you doing? And it's, and it's just settled something inside of me. And even, if I'm being honest, even today, even today, I was, I was thinking, I was looking, and I was thinking about what even, even to talk about. And in the back of my mind, the thought just keep creeping. I've got to make this, this sermon, this talk for you guys good enough. And if I don't, maybe people won't accept me. Maybe people won't like me. Maybe people won't even think I'm qualified to be a leader. How can I gain influence if I don't? And there's just something deep down inside of me that makes me want to perform for people. And all it is is just performing for people. It's performance mentality. And each and every single day I wake up, my feet hit the floor, and it's as if they hit a stage. And if I perform well enough, if I say the right lines, if I get all of the act correctly, I might receive some applause. But that's not how it's supposed to be. You don't have to live like that. And Jesus is trying to warn you against the performance mentality in this passage. 
He's trying to warn you. And what he's not doing is he's not saying, no, 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 no. I don't want you to care about your friends. I don't want you to consider the feelings of your family. I don't want you to like visit him in the hospital. I don't want you to care about people. That's not what he's saying. He wants you to do those things. Those are good things. He's calling. He wants you to give your money to to certain things. He wants you to care about people. He wants you to consider the feelings of others before yourself. Those are things he wants. But what he doesn't want from you is to do it out of performance, to to do it out of some sort of receiving recognition or for other people to look at you like you've done something good and somehow you're going to receive the applause. He's, he's talking about these things called motives. He's trying to get to the root cause of, of what's underneath the question or the answer to the question, why are you doing what you're doing? And it's all about the motives inside of you. And there's, there's two truths. There's two truths that I want you to get about motives. And the first one is this. The first one is that you can have the right motive. You can write it down. You can have the right motive, but do the wrong thing. You can have the right motive, the right intention, but still do the wrong thing. How many of you have ever been there? You've tried to do something right, but it just didn't come across well. You know what I'm saying? My brother did this all the time. And there's this one time. We grew up in Colorado. We grew up in, grew up in Colorado. And, and here's what you need to know about Colorado is there's snow everywhere. Like, there, like it's, every, it's not like Georgia snow where you guys, like, have the thought of it and, like, maybe, like, half an inch and, like, all of the world shuts down and people abandon their cars on the highways. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, like, there's three feet of snow on the ground everywhere, and people are like, yeah, you still show up to work on time because that's just how it is around here. That's Colorado. And so my dad, my dad just bought a brand new car, just bought a brand new car, parked it outside the garage. He was kind of like a car junkie, just kept collecting them and restoring them. And he just had like all these cars and he just got a brand new one. It was a a BMW convertible Beamer and it sat right outside the garage about the second day he owned it. And uh, it's sitting out there and it snowed the night, uh, that night. And so now there's like a foot, two feet of snow all over the car. And Jeff, my brother, thinks to himself, you know what? I'm going to help dad out today. I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to get all the snow off of his car. How many of you ever done that? You consider your parents like that? Yep. All of you who just raised your hands are liars. You don't do that. That's such false information. You don't do that. You wake up early in the morning to clean off a car? False. Well, Jeff did. Jeff did it, and he got up in the middle. He got up early one morning, got the, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a brush on one end and, like, a pickaxe on the other. You know what I'm saying? Those things, and, like, it's meant to, like, you know, just use on your windshield, and it's, like, totally fine, and then it gets all the ice off. Well, in, like, Colorado, you know, you get, like, three, four inches of ice on your car, so you have to use it. And so he's brushing off all the snow, and now there's just all this ice and a little bit of snow left over, and he's thinking, oh, there's no, like, there's no, like, pickaxe thing at the end of this. I'm going to go have to find something else to use. And so he makes his way to the garage, and he looks at all of the, the tools on the wall, and Jeff just looks like, yeah, the best option for me right now is that flathead shovel. And so he grabs the flathead shovel, walks it all the way back over uh, to my dad's BMW, and just starts doing work. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are ahead of me. He's just, like, taking the snow off and the ice off and, like, maybe a few other things. And, like, he's just going to town. And, like, my dad's car was this, like, really pretty, like, metallic blue, like, super awesome. And, like, my, my brother knew this. He saw it for a day. And he's, like, three quarters of the way around the car, and then he realizes something, like, I don't think dad's car is supposed to be white. And dad gets out the next morning to go to work and Jeff's there with a shovel in his hand and just like, like he totally just got caught. And like, you're like, as my dad, like he wants to be angry because he sees his car is like one clear of snow and clear of ice, but like also clear of all its paint and like the clear coat's gone and it's just like nothing more than a little primer right there. And so the car is just completely destroyed 
And my dad's like, he wants to get mad, but he can't. Because underneath, Jeff had the right motive. He just did the wrong thing. Like, maybe a shovel wasn't the best choice, buddy. You know what I'm saying? A for effort, bro. But, like, you miss something. And that's what it is. It's having, like, the right motive, but you do the wrong thing. But there's a flip to this, and it's the second truth about motives, and you should write this one down as well. It's this. You can have the wrong motives, but do the right thing. You can have the wrong motives, but do the right thing. And in my opinion, this is even more dangerous than the first. Because underneath of all the good things, there's something wrong. The wrong motive is hidden. It's camouflaged. It's buried. It's masked by the right action. And Jesus knows there is something better than that. Jesus says in this passage, and we're going to look at it again here in just a second, but he knows, he wants you to know that there's something better than the wrong motive. So I'm going to put this back up on the screen. I want to see if you can catch it. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that giving, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And Jesus says, be careful. Jesus tries to warn you because he knows there's something better for you. There's something better. And in, in this passage, we see the phrase, having your reward in full. Having your reward in full. And, and, and he's talking about those people who have performed for others. They, they have the wrong motive, but they're doing, they're acting the right thing. They have the wrong motive, but they're doing the right thing. They're performing for people, for the sake of people looking at them. And he says, you have your reward in full. That comes from the word that actually means, uh, like in Greek, to make a payment or to like take out a loan or to put down some sort of reimbursement. That's what he's getting at. And so, and, and, th- and this is what he's, what he's saying. When you pay uh, and you make a transaction with the world, the only reward that you will ever receive is from the world. When you make a payment uh, to the world, the only reward you will ever receive is from the world. And it's, it, let me put it to you this way. It's something like, like when I lived in Washington, we were like just a few hour drive, like two or three hours from the Canadian border. And we would actually drive into Canada on a regular basis just to go fishing. And, and here's what you do when you drive into Canada. You have to actually get Canadian currency because U.S. currency, U.S. money, uh, dollars and coins won't work in Canada. And, and so we would have to stop and we'd have to get Canadian currency just to go over and buy like fishing supplies and snacks and foods and everything uh, unless you used a card. And so I remember we stopped at a gas station. This is like my third or fourth time there. And, and I stopped at a gas station. My mom's paying for gas with a card, so she didn't have to worry about it. But in my wallet, all I had was U.S. currency. And I remember I was so hungry because I just spent like three or four hours in a car, and all I wanted was a Slim Jim and a freaking bag of Doritos. Like I wasn't asking for much. And like I got them, and I brought them to the register. I sat them down, and the guys like gave me some amount that I don't even know how to say because I don't know. I don't speak Canadian. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, this is the amount – uh, and, and all I had was U.S. currency. And so I'm like, dude, I've got like three Washingtons and like, you know, a nickel. Like, is that, is that going to do it? And he wouldn't accept the payment. And I couldn't receive what I wanted because I didn't have the proper payment. And this word, ha- and, and, and these words, this phrase, having your reward is full, is talking about a transaction. 
and when you begin to, to perform for the world, when your job is to perform for people of this world, the only reward that you will ever receive back is from the world. And Jesus says, be careful because he has something better for you. There's a reward that is better for you than what this world has. And I want you to write this down. And then we're talking about God's, God's reward. And it's this. God's reward isn't transactional, but transformational. God's reward isn't transactional. It's transformational. God's reward, reward isn't something that's temporary. It isn't some sort of short-term payment that will eventually run out, lose its value, die, and that you'll need to deposit again later. It's transformational. And what I mean when I say this is, Grow, and I know this to be true. And what I'm saying is, is in college, I, I hit a, I, a, something in my sophomore year. And I remember I sat down. I, I pulled one of my best friends into a room. And uh, I sat down with him. And I got down and I said, Eric, I don't know what is going on. Like I'm doing all the right things. I'm saying all the right things. I'm leading well. And somehow I keep hitting the ceiling. I keep hitting a lid. I feel like none of my ideas are going through. I don't know what to do anymore. And as I begin talking and having a dialogue with Eric, he looked right at me and he said, Robbie, there's, there's something that I'm catching when you're saying. And it's as if something in you that you're forcing publicly is supposed to be something that's settled privately. And for whatever reason in that moment, everything clicked. Because the whole time I was just attempting and trying to be the best leader to show that I'm the most qualified and to show people that I actually had the answers, I had things put together. And because of that, it just didn't click. And that was the moment when I understood and I opened up and I just, I refrained, I actually took a year off from all sorts of leadership and all sorts of chaplaincy and everything. And I just took some time to focus in on what God wanted to do in me. And it was only in those moments, it was only when I made that decision that God was able to do something and transform something inside of me. And he began to work on my soul and work as to me as a person. And in those moments, I was transformed. But when I'm making transactions with the world over and over again, I'm saying, man, I'm going to do this well to please that person or to show this person to earn some sort of credibility. It wasn't working out. And the rewards that I only got back was a brief, uh, was a brief applause. And then it's next day, I needed something to deposit again because it's temporary. It's transactional. But God has something for you, and his reward is transformational. And so there's a few things that I just want, I want you to consider, a few questions I want to ask you tonight. Where, where in your life are you trying to get noticed? Where and in what capacity are you performing? What is currently you're attempting to make visible? What are you attempting to be seen that is not meant to be seen? Maybe, maybe it's something like just the way you treat people and that you don't treat people poorly, but you, you actually treat people pretty well. Uh, but the only reason you do things like visit friends in hospital, the only reason that you actually say nice things uh, is for the recognition, and it's a performance. And you'll perform, and you'll post it on Twitter, you'll post it on Instagram, you'll let the world know that you're doing great things just for the sake of receiving the credit. So maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe it's different. Maybe you show up to M12, and uh, it's time for worship, and you get up to the front, and the only 
reason that you come up here and you raise your hands and you sing loud, the only reason is because the person right beside you, you're trying to show them that your relationship with God is something that it actually isn't. And you're just performing for people. You're doing the right thing, but with the wrong motive. And, and maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe it's just simply that you, your whole life, have been making transactions with the world. You've been performing for people. You have a performance mentality. And the only thing that you've been pursuing is the worldly rewards. And it's left you unsatisfied and you're drained from the constant performance. And maybe the best thing for you to do tonight is simply to trust that God has something better for you. And so here in a minute, the band's going to come out. They're going to sing another song. And in those moments, I'm going to ask you to do in that moment whatever God is asking you to do. For some of you, that's just going to be to stand and to worship and sing these songs and declare uh, the goodness of God. For some of you, it's going to be a conversation with him. And it's just going to require you sitting there in your chair and reflecting. But whatever God is asking of you, whatever God is calling you to in these moments, would you be obedient? And would you be willing to make those steps? Not everything in your life is meant to be seen. not every day is meant to be a performance for you. Remember, God has something that's the best for you.